Um, <clears throat> all right, can we open in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3? And I just want to share a few thoughts about evangelism. So Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, when John came, it says here, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. It's a picture of a lone voice, that he alone came into the region and told of Jesus that was to come. He alone was going to identify who Jesus was. And it was going to obviously be confirmed by the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus But John the Baptist identified him, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And when he came and he had done that, he had really, he had finished his task. That's what he had come to do. Wasn't that long after that he was in prison, as Pastor Chaz was talking about earlier today and saying, maybe getting second thoughts, is this, are all the things happening about him that are supposed to be happening? And then his life was taken from him. He was beheaded and his job was finished. He'd done what he'd come to do to identify the first coming of the Lamb of God. And so there is, a, I guess, a, a, a comparison that we can have with this about our job, about identifying... But our job is not obviously identifying the first coming of Jesus Christ, but of the second... And if we go to Romans chapter 13. And verse 11. And Paul's talking to the church here at Rome. And he says that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. And so that the phrase he uses here He just says, knowing the time. He doesn't sort of identify that. He just, you know, amongst those in the Lord, they understood that phrase, knowing the time. And so there was an awareness of the fact that the coming of Jesus was around the corner, the second coming of Jesus. And so he's reminding everybody at that particular point, just as as John the Baptist had come and spoken and, and spoken in a way that people thought was crazy, the Messiah, we've heard plenty about the Messiah, but for John the Baptist, now is the time. Now is the kingdom of heaven at hand. Now is the coming of the Lamb of God. So even though people could have um, thought it would be some other time, he was identifying right then and there. And here Paul is, is speaking in his day 
of the second coming and, and, and keeping everybody on guard about the role that they now had as, um, as a voice in the wilderness. That people would be thinking, no way, no way. And yet the scriptures identified many things. And so, but he says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. And so he keeps the troops active in the calling that they've been called to. And the Lord's done this over the ages where he has never pinpointed a date so that the saints might become slothful. He's had every generation ready for now is the time. And as, of course, the the years have um, unrolled and the, the pages of the Bible have become more and more obvious and the fulfilment of Bible prophecy has has one page upon another has happened and we look at our position now and I've just got a a little recording here that um, Pastor Chris sent to me recently and it's um, some of you may have seen it on YouTube but I'm just going to put it on the microphone here if I can be highly technical and it's a conversation, it's a two and a half minute conversation between ben- Benjamin Netanyahu. Anybody know who he is? A few people, yeah. So uh, he's the main man in Israel. And uh, he's a pretty uh, savvy customer. Um, his, one of his brothers, I think he's got more than one, uh, by the name of Jonathan or Jonathan, um, was in charge of the Entebbe Uh, operation many years ago and uh, that was uh, then named after his brother they changed the name of it from Entebbe to Jonathan and he too uh, Benjamin also was uh, involved in this uh, 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 training and involvement in serious um, uh, operations with this very uh, special squad Uh, but his brother actually was killed in the Entebbe. He was the only one that died in that Entebbe uh, operation and uh, it was well known. I think many of us that were alive back then would remember that particular operation. So we've got a couple of pretty savvy men here. So his brother, uh, was uh, he was honoured by that operation being named after him. Now, Benjamin himself has eventually become the leader in Israel um, and that's often been a bit of a challenge for him. But he's now in a position where um, Donald Trump has decided to uh, name Jerusalem or accept Jerusalem as the capital uh, of Israel. Um, And that, of course, has caused huge political strife, particularly amongst Palestinians and and, um, Muslims. But there's a little conversation here which is an absolute gem. I can see why Pastor Chris sent it to me. It's an absolute gem between the leader of Israel and the leader of, um, of America in acknowledging some of recent events in Bible prophecy. So I'll just see if I can get this thing to work and I'll stop talking. Um... Thank you very much. It's a great honour to have Prime Minister Netanyahu and Mrs. 
Netanyahu with us. They've been friends for a long time. Uh, we have, I would say, probably the best relationships right now with Israel that we ever had. I think we're as close now as maybe ever before. Jerusalem was a wonderful thing, and uh, I know it was very much appreciated in a big part of the world, not just in Israel, in a very big part. So that was a decision that I had to make. Many presidents were discussing whether or not to make that decision, and uh, they promised it in their campaigns, but they never were able to do what they should have done. So I was able to do it. And I think it's something that's very much appreciated in Israel, but far beyond Israel. Uh, we are very close on trade deals. We are very, very close on military and terrorism and all of the things that we have to work together on. So the relationship has never been better. And Mr. Prime Minister, Mrs. Netanyahu, it's a great honor to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President, Donald, Melania, Sarah and I want to thank you for your extraordinary friendship and hospitality. It's always a pleasure to see you both, but this is the first time we meet in Washington, America's capital, after you declared, Mr. President, Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And this was a historic proclamation, followed by your bold decision to move the embassy by our upcoming uh, National Independence Day. I want to tell you that the Jewish people have a long memory. So we remember the proclamation of the great king, Cyrus the Great, Persian king, 2,500 years ago. He proclaimed that the Jewish exiles in Babylon could come back and rebuild our temple in Jerusalem. We remember 100 years ago, Lord Balfour, who uh, issued the Balfour proclamation that recognized the rights of the Jewish people in our ancestral homeland. We remember 70 years ago, President Harry S. Truman was the first leader to recognize the Jewish state. And we remember how a few weeks ago, President Donald J. Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Mr. President, this will be remembered by our people throughout the ages. And as you just said, others talked about it. You did it. So I want to thank you on behalf of the people of Israel. That's all. Do you get that? Yep. Now, for any keen readers of Bible prophecy, that is an amazing conversation. It is an amazing summary of God's promises being fulfilled with two of the world's leaders who sit in their positions because God allows them to, and they have realised exactly what God has brought to pass between their two nations. And so the important dates there... The, the original one with Cyrus and the declaration, as we know, um, that we read of uh, in the Old Testament and forecasting and allowing the return of the, the Jews to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the city. And then, of course, in 1917, the Balfour Declaration, which allowed for the Jewish home. Uh, and then um, in 1948, the Declaration and Acceptance of uh, Israel as a Nation, uh, and then in 2017, the Declaration of Jerusalem, 100 years after the 1917 event, 100 years after that de Declaration of Jerusalem, controversially, and they're all controversial, <laughs> as a capital. And so this nation being re-established, this, this nation that has been dispersed throughout the, na the other nations, as the, the scriptures talk about being sifted through the nations, 
and yet returning back and God re-establishing them and all of these things pointing to the Lord's return. And, and here we are living in a time where we have more access to better detail on history than any generation ever before us. We, what is dug up in the sand and left in rock is more known now than ever. And, and we, we have museums full of these things where people are now able to summarise history and lay it against the Bible and find out what God said was dead accurate, was dead accurate. And so here we are, and it says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. And so we are now the voice crying, Jesus is returning. This time, we're not saying, behold the Lamb of God, we're saying, behold the King of Kings. He is coming to this earth to judge the earth. Are we ready? And so we're put in, a, in an amazing position and sometimes we feel like a lone voice. We are not a lone voice. There's a difference between us and John the Baptist. He was on his own. But we are millions. I don't know how many exactly, but, I, but there are spirit-filled people all over the world with various ideas. Um, but in amongst all of that, God is making sure that there is a trumpet sounding about Jesus returning so that in every corner of the world that they are getting stereo. That's, that's what the Lord wants, is that, it, it, that it, it is not missing any corner. And um, in fact, right now, I might just, uh, I don't know if they can get a slide up, but I might just mention one place where <clears throat> Pastor Chad and Gail and family have gone. They've gone to... Um, meet with uh, some family members of Sister Hodder. Anyone know Sister Hodder from the Vogue? In this place, which is Armenia. Armenia is just north of uh, Iran. And so Sister Hodder's two, uh, two of her sisters have received the Holy Spirit praying on Skype uh, while she was witnessing to them from here. And Iran, of course, is a Muslim stronghold. It is so anti-Israel. It is so anti the gospel. And these sisters have wanted to get baptised. And so now Pastor Chad has gone to Armenia. He, he actually has Armenian roots through his mother. His mother's parents are both Armenian. So interesting how it all works out. So they've gone to Armenia and Hodra is there as well. And they... Next one, if you can. So there they are gathered. So, so because the... The border is easy to travel across. Um, Armenia is not Muslim. It's a, an Orthodox country. And uh, so uh, three million or thereabouts, I think, in population. So they can go there easily. The Iranians can go there easily across the border. No problem. No visa necessary. Holiday place. And so they're all meeting together. And so I think there's about eight new people there and uh, family members who have just gone for a holiday. And in this holiday, they're going to get baptised. I don't know how many they're going to do, but they're having a bit of fun. Next one. So they're praying with people to receive the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll spare the details. Pastor Chad will come back and tell us about it all, I'm sure. It's exciting. And right in the heart of Muslim territory, there are people there who are desiring uh, to hear the word of God. The trumpet is sounding. 
The trumpet is sounding to every uh, corner of the earth. Um, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Hmm. Be a nice experience for the Haddad children as well. They won't forget that. Verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now this is a little passage I believe is talking about witnessing. It's about sharing the gospel. It's about preaching the gospel. It's about evangelism. It's about telling your testimony. And I don't know if you remember the first time you've ever shared your testimony and how you felt, um, but I don't know if others have felt this, but I, I think it's not uncommon that first time where an opportunity comes up and your heart is beating and you're saying, I know the answer to this. I know the answer to this. I've got to speak. If I don't speak, I'll bust. <laughs> because something has now been put inside of us and it's the desire of God for the trumpet to sound. That's just come with the Holy Ghost. And we can put a mute on the trumpet, but if we stir the Holy Ghost, that trumpet, it wants to blow. <laughs> It wants to make the sound of, of, of Jesus Christ is coming, you need to get ready. It wants to make the sound of my life has been changed, yours can as well. And it, it, it just beats within us. And, um, and how, and, and I think it's a, I mean, some people perhaps find it, it comes easier. Others maybe find it they might be shy and they might struggle with the words to come out. But, but whenever we let it come, as the Lord said, he said, don't worry what you're going to say. And, and that's the thing that can happen to us. We can immediately worry whether we will give it uh, credibility. Will we say it as well as it needs to be said? Uh, do we really have the answers for these people? And so we might worry so much that we just shut it down and think, oh, maybe it needs somebody else. It needs a more experienced person to come and speak to them. But in actual fact, the Lord just wants us to do it because what he wants is the miracle of his word coming through us. That's what he's really looking for. It's not going to be the excellence of our speech, as Paul the Apostle writes. It's going to be the miracle of his word being revealed through us. And we will say things that will surprise us in a good way. <laughs> um, and, and we'll start to give answer and go, where did I get that from? Just because we were willing to open up. Because inside us, here's the Lord wanting to speak. And, and so it just says here, cast your bread upon the water. It's not about how carefully you plan this. It's just, it will come back to you. In verse 2, give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. So don't be, don't be too sparing with it. Just give it out easily to a number of people. 
Because you don't know which one of those has got some longing for the Lord in their life. Does anybody here in their testimony when they came to the Lord and got witness to feel that um, the person who spoke to them had no idea what trouble was actually going on in their life? Does that make sense? That you had something going on in your life and the person who spoke to you didn't realise but they said what you needed to hear? Who, who was in that situation? Yeah, there's a number there. Yeah. You, we don't know what might have happened or what might be about to happen. You know, as this person hears the gospel and what is facing them in the next week and then they go, oh, I've just heard the news that I needed for this circumstance. Um, in verse 4, I won't pick them all, he that observeth the wind shall not sow and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If we look at the reaction of... Um, of a person on, on their face, you know, we can sort of go, this is not a good moment to be saying anything. And as we just heard in testimony, sometimes our families are going to be the hardest ones we'll ever speak to. And you look at their face and go, ooh, I think someone else should speak to them. And, and yet the Lord's saying, no, maybe I've got you there for that very reason, because your story is the one they need to hear. You're going to be more convincing than anyone that they don't know. They know you. You were the, you were the black sheep in the family. <laughs> you were the self-righteous one, or you were the whatever they might like to call you. But you're the one who now has changed and has walked back in happy, healed, confident in what God has done for you. And you're the one who has the biggest chance. And, and whether they hear or not, right at that point, from then on, we know what it's like. Every time you walk into the house for the next six weeks, months, year, ten years, they know a light comes on, don't they? Every time you walk into the house, they realise that you're different and there's something that bothers them about you. And you can play it down. You know, we try to go a bit easy on them. You can play it down, but they know it. You only have to say one word. No, there you go again. <laughs> they, they, they never forget. It cuts them to the heart. But above all, we want to see them saved. Above all, we don't want to see them be tried in hell. We don't want to see that happen to them. So above all, we do what we can to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and think, how can somehow... We get the gospel in here. And so um, in verse 6 it says, In the morning sow thy seed, and the, in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. And in, so it's just saying we don't know, just speak. Just talking with uh, brother James Drage last night, and he mentioned how that when he was in high school and studying with Tate alongside him, he said one day he was just chatting with his teacher about evolution and just, you know, disagreeing with the teacher. And uh, he had no idea, but Tate next to him was just all ears for the discussion. The teacher got nothing out of it, but Tate was all ears and later on came to the Lord. And, 
And those, uh, those ways that the Lord works are with our willingness to, to be ready. Um, and that's just in our everyday life. It is the, the greatest vineyard that every single one of us has is in our everyday life. You know, the outreaches are good, but the greater um, influence we have is the 20, 30, I don't know how many people we have contact with on a regular basis, but those people are the ones who watch us, the ones who know, who, who say, oh, yeah, that's a Christian. Yeah, I, you know, keep away from them or you can trust them or whatever viewpoint they take, but they're the ones who know, the ones who see. And often in time, some of them get affected and decide, I've got to come and have a look. It'll take a while, but I've got to come and have a look. I think Tom mentioned, my brother, in his testimony earlier today that um, he was getting outnumbered by the family. <laughs> Eventually he had, he had to come and have a look, though he'd searched in the Scripture Union bookshop or whichever one it was for all the books on speaking in tongues. He got all one of them. All right, they might have had a few more, I don't know. But... Um, that was uh, the way it went. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Um, maybe just a couple of thoughts about patience. Um, Luke chapter 5 and verse 39. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new, for he saith the old is better. You know, sometimes when people hear the gospel and they're taken with it and they think, actually this, this looks good, but they don't want to let go of the old because they're used to the old. I've, I've always done the Anglican church. You know, I, I, I can't let it go. I've always been a Muslim. You know, Brother Mark from Iran, who's come to the Lord, it took him to see a number of miracles before he could let go of his Muslim thinking. He, he needed to see it. And so he, he, would, he would default back to his old way of thinking, even though his wife was healed of breast cancer, even though when he came across the oceans from, from you know, one of those wonderful non-cruise ships from Indonesia, um, and, and, and it was a rough sea, and the Lord calmed the sea, and they got quickly through, by prayer, through the Australian immigration, and, and didn't have to stay in the camp, and came down here. And, and, one, and bit by bit, the Lord was saying, this is better for you. And, but the default was always back to the old. But then one day, all of a sudden, he, he just completely flicked across. And sometimes that even happens when people have been spirit-filled, that they come and they go, that's really good, but they still default back to the old. And there are some here who have, after they have um, got spirit-filled, have gone back and tried a bit of their, gone down to the pub, Danny Collett's testimony. What's the matter with this beer? Is that your testimony, Danny? Yeah. So default, the old wine is better. Default back to the old. And, and we can worry, but they're having to make a choice. 
And sometimes in that early stage of, of when a person has, they've responded, and then they go and do that, you can sort of think, ah, they're gone, they're history. But as this scripture is, is sort of telling us here that sometimes people are just sort of wavering. They, they've, not because they don't like what they've seen in God, but they just haven't quite seen how to let go of what they had before. And it can take a little bit of patience with people in the early days of them getting spirit-filled. Uh, or even they might come to one meeting and then they don't come again for a month. But things might still be going on. They might not have decided, I'm out of here. They might just be not sure how they can get themselves away from the life that they've been in. Pastor Jock made a comment recently that um, in business, they used to have a comment in, when he was in... Um, um, when he was a broker in real estate. He said, um, first meeting, you're a stranger. He said, second meeting, you're a friend. And he said, doesn't matter how long that first meeting is, you can be with them all day. But he said, the end of that meeting, you're still a stranger. He said, the second meeting, then you're a friend. And that was a policy they, or a way that they saw things. And maybe it's sometimes like that with the things of the Lord. Is that you can have a great witness with somebody. You can spend a lot of time with them. But that second meeting, do you get no? You know, it's all over. You were a stranger. I'm not interested anymore. Or do we get another chance? And do we then get a friendship? And do we then start to be able to uh, go a little bit further uh, with the subject? Um, let's go to First Peter chapter 2, just to finish on. Verse 1, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And when, when somebody, or when we, maybe let's think about ourselves, when we were brand new, we needed milk for a long time. A baby needs milk for a long time. You try giving it meatballs after, in the first week. <laughs> You won't have much success. And it takes time. It needs milk upon milk upon milk upon milk. At three o'clock in the morning, it needs milk. And it needs it week after week, month after month. And, and that, even though you may not want to go through that process because it's a, it can be a um, high labour... It's actually the best thing for the child. There is nothing better than milk for a baby. And, and the baby, it, it develops everything. It just sort of gets fatter and fatter and, you know, happy a lot of the time. And, and all the parts are working as they should. The system is working. And, and you, you, watch, you watch this baby grow. And you don't even teach it most of the things that it learns at the beginning. Its ability to, to sort of push itself up or its ability to, to roll or, or, or look or hear. Um, you don't teach it those things. It just does them as it's just fed milk. And all these things just start to come into this, this baby. And, and then after a while, 
we can get to a point where we can start to teach it things when, when the communication gets better and stronger. And when a person first comes in to the gospel, it is very, very similar. It needs milk upon milk upon milk. It needs hard labour, in a sense, that, um, you know, there are times to sit and just go over the basics and go over the basics again and come at the basics from another angle and come at it from another angle. And every time that we are, we are new in the Lord and we go out and we face some problem, we come back, in a sense, crying at two in the morning. What do we need? Milk. Every time. What do we need? To sit with saints who, who say, it's okay, hallelujah, <laughs> it's all right, it's going to be safe, let's have some prayer, let's sing a chorus, it'll be all right. And those first three, six, 12 months are the most dangerous times for a young babe when it needs that continual eye of the parent. And, and so evangelism, I guess it's more than just the pamphlet at the beginning. Uh, it's more than just saying, well, Lord, I've left it in your hands now. It's more than just saying, well, we got them to a meeting. It's more than we got them in the baptism tank. It's more than they're now spirit-filled. We're trying to get people to a point where they start to stand up on their own two feet. And that doesn't happen in one week after they're spirit-filled. Sometimes we wish it would. We go, what's the matter? You know, it doesn't happen like that. If we think about ourselves, for most of us, that never was the case. It took us ages before the penny dropped and we started to understand this part and this part and this part and this part. The Bible has a lot of good milk for us and may we never get tired of milk. May we always value it and use it and understand the need that others have for it so that we might see others who come in as children, as babes, and, and, and they wobble and they're uncertain, and, but in time they start to also realise, oh, I get this. They look at the signs of the times, they get it. They look at the dangers of the world, they get it. They look at what it, how important it is to meetings, they get it. They start to understand how good it is to read the Word of God, they get it. And one by one, these things start to stack, stack up and you get a stronger saint. And it's worth it. And all the people said, that's all.